0: I don't know about you, but I like sports. I like sports, and I like sports history. I like history, so I, and I, you t- combine them together. I, I don't. I can't say that I read a lot of it or whatever, but I enjoy great stories. I enjoy, I enjoy going to historical places. And recently, just was at Wrigley Field and enjoyed watching a game there. And so, uh, but when you come to the area of football and you want to study history uh, of it all, there's probably other than Vince Lombardi, there's probably not a person who carries with it an amazing sense of history and meaning behind it. But Vince Lombardi was a coach for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, in the time whenever, again, they were, they, they still have good seasons today, but in time when they were really competitive, they went to a bout where they were not so competitive. They were actually Losing quite a bit and Lombardi. I mean the guy's got the the Super Bowl uh, Trophy named after him and so I mean he's got this tremendous legacy, but he's standing before his football team These 300 pound linemen this all the all this experience from peewee football through high school college, whatever He's standing before these experienced NFL players. He says guys, we're gonna have to go back to the basics We need to go back to the basics of the game this is a football. He starts right there with the basics. This is a football. Now, again, in, don't insult these guys. But, I mean, they are, they've been hit on the head a few times. I understand that. But, uh, but really, they, they need to know that this is a football, this is a pigskin, and all that kind of stuff. Well, actually, there are times when, in our lives when we need to go back to the basics and just really get a clear definition. And so what we're doing here today and what we've been doing for the past three weeks is we're talking about prayer. And my friends, Grace Point Church, this is prayer. We're talking about it in a very basic sense. But don't get lost in the simplicity of it. In fact, I hope that you're drawn in to the simplicity of it and not overwhelmed by it. Because I think we've made it to be something, some things that it is not, and therefore we struggle with it. Uh, we don't know how to pray or I don't want to pray out loud. I don't want somebody to judge my prayers or certainly don't want somebody to see the frequency or, in, or the infrequency of my prayers. But as you think about it, let's go to a little bit on a basic level and just kind of review some of the things we've already talked about and established in, this three, in, in the three messages so far. One of the things I, I, I nailed in the beginning, I hope I'll nail again today, is that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you are. Someone is some. It's it's a part of who you are. It's as natural as you breathing in, breathing out. That's why we can pray without ceasing. Is whenever it is something that we literally, it's a part of who we are. It is the second nature of us. We just simply pray. It's not something we go and do, but we are in a constant state of being in conversation with God. It's very important. Randy Sprinkle again quote, quoting him from last week, but it's not incessant talking to God but unceasing walking with him. All right? How are you doing in the walk, the day-to-day, in that conversation with him throughout? Again, we want to give away, away from the rhythmic kind of prayer, the, the cyclical prayer. We want to be on in prayer for all, 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 all areas of our life, all the times of our life. All right, number two. This is another thing that we, we've talked about. Last week spent all the time talking about it. And that it, prayer involves a silence, a solitude, a pulling apart from the crazy craziness of this world in listening to Scripture, listening to God in this prayerful attitude and, and hopefully getting away from the noises, the notifications, the dings, the bings, the bangs, and the pokes that happen in this world and embracing silence. Now I hope, I hope, I hope I didn't just talk to myself last week. I really hope, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or any kind of confession today, but I really, really hope that you intentionally did this week what we talked about last week. You pulled aside from the craziness, you found silence, you found solitude, you had the Word, you opened it, you breathed it in, you allowed it to speak into your heart and let it begin to change your life. Uh, I really hope you did. If you didn't, you missed a great opportunity, and I encourage you to find space. Go back and listen to last week's message again, just review it, and then jump into that time. Uh, But also, we're going to be looking in Matthew today. Uh, And again, all this series, we're looking at the prayer life of Christ, what He did, how He prayed, when He prayed, what He talked about, when He talked about prayer. And there's 19 different times that He prays in the Scriptures, in the Gospels. So that alone is a, is, a, is a series unto itself. Next week, we're actually going to look at the true Lord's Prayer, okay? Not the Lord's Prayer that you and I know that I want to review here just now, but the Lord's Prayer that He truly prayed for His disciples, and we'll come to that next week. This week, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is the only time we have a most comprehensive message of Jesus, all right? And it's with his disciples. There's a beautiful kind of story there. You go to just the very first verse and you can see it in Matthew 5. He's by the Sea of Galilee and he goes on up a little bit further, your Bible might say. Or in the message it says, he climbs higher with his mountain climbers. I like that. Now, they weren't scaling rocks or sides of hills or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of mountain climbing experience. But it's almost as if the crowds are by the Sea of Galilee. But he climbs up a little higher. And those who wanted to climb up a little bit higher with him, those who wanted to go to a new level with him, they climbed on up a little higher with him. And so it's kind of like he's with his mountain climbing disciples. And they sit down and he begins to talk with them and share with them. Many times we thought the Sermon on the Mount is this great big message in this amphitheater by the, by the Sea of Galilee. And actually it was a small group of people. And they were sitting on this hillside and they climbed up a little bit further. And he gets down and he sits down and he talks with them in this, in this most comprehensive, I guess, what can you say? It's, it covers everything. It covers relationships, it covers the golden rule, it covers attitudes, it covers lust, it covers anger, it covers murder. It's this all-in comprehensive message recorded over the course of three chapters in the book of Matthew. So we're talking about a very large section out of all the things that he talked about. The thing, the element, the discipline that gets the majority of the attention in the Sermon on the Mount is the topic of prayer. Now that should just, again, elevate it a little higher in our life that we need to drill in, lean in, listen in on what does it mean to pray? How does it prayer fit into my life? Fifteen different verses are dedicated to the concept, to the discipline of prayer And we find that, now again, let's just, first sermon we shared on Memorial Day weekend, from this we looked at the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer that is unveiled in Matthew chapter 6. And as, as we go there, let me just hit a couple of highlights, just again, just to review. One is that we need to really remember that prayer is a relational element. It is not an institutional thing. It is not a mechanical thing. It is not a hierarchical thing. It's relational. It's built on relationship and it adds to relationships. Even in the prayer, he, he talks about forgive us our debts as we forgive others. There's a relationship element in the Lord's Prayer. The mere fact that he even opens the, Lord's, the model prayer, if you will, he says, Father. He didn't say, call me Master. Call me Boss. Call me Creator. He says, call me Father. When you come to me, call me Father. It's built in It's part of the fabric prayer is relational it's so relational it literally affects how we relate with each other you don't believe me you can look in your own time in first peter chapter three verse seven because it warns husbands you need to dwell with your wives in an understanding manner because if you don't it will hinder your prayer So, prayer is very relational, both with God and with others. It helps our relationship with others, and it also strengthens our relationship with God. Number two, prayer is self surrender. Don't miss this. Most people get frustrated with prayer because they don't see it as self surrender. Prayer is. A surrendering of your will over to God's will. That's why when we're praying the Lord's prayer or the model prayer, we literally pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to come back to that and spend quite a bit of time with that in a few moments. Number three, prayer centers our life on God and gets ourselves from being the center of the universe. We're not. He is. Prayer's a way to kind of back out of life, sit back in the chair a little bit and go, okay, it's not about me. It's about you, God. This whole world, this whole cosmic order, the mere fact that I'm here and you give breath for me to breathe another day is not because I can go out and live my own lifestyle. It's so that I can live for you. My life is about you, your will. We start the Lord's Prayer with our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We end the Lord's Prayer with, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You can't get away from putting Him at the center, the beginning and the end. He is what we're about. Prayer should bring us back to that. Now, again, if we have cheapened, dumbed down, made prayer about me and what I want when I want it, there's going to be a, you're going to become disillusioned with prayer. To be frank with you, you're going to become disillusioned if you don't see a bigger picture behind this. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at this passage and read it together. You follow along as I read it, but let's just kind of get the context again. He's sitting here in this passage or in this Sermon on the Mount. And he, in chapter 6, he just got through giving the model prayer. All right. Again, you look back and... Con- now, again, he has so many topics that he covers. He's, again, he's talking about all these various topics. But it's almost as if he interrupts himself. He goes on and he's talking about this whole relationship with judging others. And then at the end, he comes back and he's going to talk about the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But in the middle, it's almost like like Jesus had this this moment. It's like, oh, oh there's something else about prayer. And he interrupts himself. It's not even, to me, it's not even in a context. It's like I just got through talking about the model prayer. And he goes on. And then he goes, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want to forget this. I think we've all experienced those those moments in time when we, we forget something, we go back and we re-inject. That's what he does here. And so I want you to follow along as I read because he's giving us some some, some, some structure, some parts of prayer that we don't want to miss. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now, many of us have read that, uh, memorized that, and, and, and have even practiced that to, to some degree or another. We've at least attempted that in our life, but probably have come up frustrated with it as well. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if, he has, uh, if his son asks him for bread, do you give him a stone? It's almost ridiculous to think about that. If he asks for a fish, he gives him a snake or a serpent. That's even worse. It says, if, then you, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So you have this kind of interruption, this kind of by Christ bringing us back to guys and gals. I want you to pray. And I want you to know that when you pray, I'm going to hear it. God's going to hear it. There will be a heavenly response to that. And we'll come to break those parts. And I really want us to not oversimplify it, not dumb it down today, because I want to put this kind of disclaimer on there. But it may seem as if I'm kind of dumbing it down today, but I, I don't want to appear that way because if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? If we really saw the results that we wanted to, we wouldn't have to call people to pray. It would just happen. But the reality is, is we struggle with it. We don't see the results that we wanted to see. We get mad at God. And we think, you know what, I can do it myself. I don't need you, God. And that's that's the sadness of our American culture when we can literally try in, in all of our efforts to trump God. And He's really calling us to be in a prayerful relationship with Him. And it's not going to be easy to understand at times. It's not going to be easy to do at times. But it's at the same time very simple. And we can... Bring the cookies down to the bottom shelf, if you will. Probably, if there's any one person I have read and been more convicted about my own prayer life and also learned more about prayer, there's been nobody more than Ian Bounds. And Ian Bounds, as he talks about prayer, he says, Prayer is the easiest and the hardest of all things. It is the simplest and the most sublime, the weakest and the most powerful. Its, result, its results lie outside the range of human possibilities and they are limited only to the omnipotence of God. It is simple and yet difficult. It is, it is easy and yet, well, we don't do it. Here's what uh, Leonard Ravenhill said, a very simple statement, but he said it like this, prayer is profoundly simple and simply profound. So let's, let's get to the simplicity of it today. Not that it will make it easier for us in our own lives, but let's just get to the, just basically two parts that I want us to focus in on. That I think that this little brief interjection, parenthetical statement, if you will, in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives about prayer. And one of them is I want us to see the work, and then I want us to see the weight behind prayer. The first of all, the work, is that you have a job. There's a request that you put out there that you need to put out there, that you need to be in this relationship with the Heavenly Father, and you put that request out there. Now, if I was to kind of play a scenario out here, kind of like this is a football, if there's any simple basic question that I get more as a pastor over the past 23 years in my life as pastoring people, it's, what is God's will for my life? How do I know if this is God's relationship for me to be in? Should I make this career move or not? Is this the job for me? Is this the career path for me? Is this the educational institution I should attend? Is this the relation? Again, is this the clothes I should buy? You know, all these kind of questions kind of come to the surface. Now, some people don't even ask those. They just charge ahead and do their own thing. But really, those who are really serious and earnest about knowing God's will, they ask those questions. That's a good question to ask. But maybe we need to alter that question a little bit, too. Maybe we're not asking the same questions. For some people, it's quite—it's a struggle for them to know God's will. What's God's will for my life? Maybe we need to change that up a little bit, and we need to ask, "Am I about what God's about?" Because if we're praying, "Thy kingdom come," then that means that God has a plan. He has a kingdom. He has a way. He has a reign. He's got—he's got an idea. He's got an agenda out there. Okay, and if—if if we're about His agenda. Then, then I need to be about what He's about. And so maybe that's really what we need to look at. What is He about in our life? So let's bring it back to the common questions. Does God want me in this relationship? Well, let me ask you the question. Is God in that relationship? Is God being honored in that relationship? Is He pre, premier in that relationship? Is He first and foremost in that relationship? Because if He's not, maybe not, What about the career path that you're on? Is God in that? Is it drawing you away from your family? Is it tearing down your faith? Is it asking you to do things that are not of God? If God's not in that, then maybe you don't need to be a part of that. If you can't speak truth and bring truth to that scenario, then maybe you need to back away from that scenario. What about a church? What church am I supposed to be a part of? There's lots of churches, lots of great churches out there, lots of things that they're offering. Is that church a part of God's agenda or are they on their agenda? And sometimes that's really hard to look at. Because when we all use the same vocabulary, you're going to have to dive in and look deeply at that. And if you see that they're on God's agenda and it's about Him, then okay, you might want to take a step in and lean in on that one. See, what we've got to learn to do, and this is that life principle, we've got to learn to interface our decisions, our requests, our issues out there with God's will. We've got to say, okay, God, here's what I want, here's what I think, here's what I'm wrestling with, here's the financial decisions I'm making, here's the relationship I'm in. Where do you fit into this? Because if he doesn't, then we need to do some reprioritizing, some changing, some some altering in our life. So when you come to this passage and you come to verse 7 and 8, again, familiar, ask and you will seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Are these just random statements that he put there just to kind of be there? No. I believe there are a progression here. You ask before you seek. You seek before you knock. Sometimes we go pushing on doors and then we say, God, would you bless me as I walk through this door, back out of that door? before you go knocking on doors, before you go seeking out and trying to determine in your own mind what God's will is, back, 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 back the train up. And first do some asking. There's an asking element here. And in this present tense verb that he gives here, it's it's keep on asking, and keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. This is that lifestyle where it becomes a part of you, where you're constantly asking, constantly seeking, constantly knocking to seek to find His will. So let's break those apart. If those three f- calls out to ask and to seek and to knock, if they're, if they're individual and separate and they're progressive, then what, what do they say? The first thing is I think we need to learn to articulate an appeal. Okay? Ask. Ask. So what are you asking God about today? Are you kind of like the people who pray in general? Well, if you pray in general, you will get in general. If you pray specific, you will see God work specifically. Let me give you an example. It happens around Christian circles all the time. You can insert your own example. I'm just going to give you one example. God bless all the missionaries. Amen. Let's, pre- let's eat the chicken now. You know, God bless all the, all, everybody the church and all the sick and the needy. And we just go right on. Well, how will you ever know if God blessed the missionaries or not? How will you ever know if God did that? What I want you to do, take it to a new level. Learn to ask in a very specific, very direct, very spot on. So let's not talk about blessing the missionaries. Let's talk about the unreached people group of the Bomber people in West Africa where there are 4 million who don't know Christ. Only 1.3% have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's not just pray general. Let's pray specific. God, the bomber people are without a clear message. Would you raise up somebody in our church that I can bless and be a part of? That I can know that you will send and be a part of reaching the bomber for Christ. And they will live and spend the next two years of their life. Now, how specific is that? you got yourself involved. you got someone else involved. And it may end up being you. Beware of that. Uh, you know, it, it, any number of things can happen along. And that's why you say, I don't want to pray specifically. You know, just, just be ready. When you start getting into the specific ask, get ready for a specific answer. But when we stay out here in the, in the heavens and we pray way over here in the generalities, then that's what we're going to get in life. But just zero in on that modern day parable was told of a man who died and went to heaven. Not a person had a lot of drive, not a, lot, a person with a lot of Christian faith, not a person with a whole lot of prayer life in his life. But hey, he was a Christian, right? And again, it's a modern day parable. So he's walking down the streets of gold and he sees this great big warehouse loaded in the back, uh, loaded in the, in the back of his plot in heaven. Now, he was told, you cannot go back to that warehouse. It's not off limits. You can't go there. He said, why can't I go there? Because his warehouse was bigger than the warehouse that was next to him. The shed, the barn that was next to his. It was much smaller than one his. His was big. So he thought, okay, that, that's mine. He says, that, that is yours, the, the angel that was giving him the truth. That is yours for sure. But you can't have it. He says, what do you mean? I can't have it. He says, everything that was in that shed was all that God wanted to pour into your life while you are on the earth, but you never ask. You think, Mike, that's a you're kind of playing on emotions there. No, I'm not. I'm playing on James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. You do not have because you do not ask. It's not a tricky formula. There's not a lucky rabbit's foot. It's a condition of the heart. You do not have because you do not ask. But notice what it goes on to say. It says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask of the wrong motives that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Two hindrances to your asking God. Simply one, not asking, okay? Not bringing it to God, not, not laying it at His feet, saying, God, this is a need, this is a, this is a situation, this is somebody, this is somebody who's under my skin and causes me all kinds of grief. How can I be a part of, of bringing life into this broken relationship? You just throw out any number of examples. Bring it, ask it. Number two is whenever you get on your own selfish agenda. I don't want to answer that. You're not on His agenda. Remember, it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done not on earth as it is in heaven. Not on heaven as it is in earth. On earth. Excuse me. I'm mixing that all up. We mix it up. Prayer. We get off agenda. We get on our agenda. Or we simply don't ask. So learn to make an appeal to God. Learn to let that be a part of your life. Number two, move out in faith. So once you've taken time, you've spent time in prayer. Now you're ready to stand up from your time of prayer. Or as you continue to walk out in prayer in, in your life and you put your request out there, now start seeking God. Let me continue on with this one example, the Bomber people. You, you've been praying about it. You know you need to pray for this, this unreached people group. Now you need to start seeking. Who in your life, in your world, in your circles would God be calling there? Maybe it would be you. Maybe it would be someone else if it's not you. I don't know. Just play out your scenario. Start seeking Start looking. Where's God at work? How can I be a part of it? How can I get in on it? See, what we've made life into being is a great big jigsaw puzzle. And maybe every day or every week or every month or every year, we get a new piece of the puzzle. And we put it in and we look at the puzzle and we go, okay, what's the next, what is this? What's behind this? Maybe it's a 1,000 pieces. Maybe it's 20,000 pieces. And we're trying to figure this big puzzle out. That's not what life is. Life is not a puzzle. Life is neither a journey that you need a GPS or some kind of map. Now I know we talk about the Bible being God's road map, and I would believe that's a, that's a safe metaphor, but it's not. Life is not just that. Just you and the Bible alone is not enough. Life is a journey. You need a traveling companion. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ personal and intimate, one that you're growing in. Notice he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Follow me. What's the study that we're doing right now for the next five weeks? What's the title of it? Follow me. But it's talking about being a prayer walker, being a lifestyle prayer walker. Follow me. See, prayer is a following of God. It's being in a relationship with Him, going through life. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, 32 different times in the Gospels, Jesus cries out and says, follow me. If you aren't following Him, you're not seeking Him. See, the Scriptures also say, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's a heart issue. Some people want to go to God and, and, as if He's a lever in heaven and we pull Him down through some kind of prayer and He pops out our request. He's a relationship. If you're not following, you're not praying. Praying is a part, seeking is that, is that element that must be there. The very first words that Jesus ever said to Peter In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, and in John chapter 21, verse 22, the last words he said to Peter were, follow me. At the beginning and at the end, follow me. See, whenever I'm praying and I'm seeking God, when I'm praying, I'm asking God, I then stand up and I move out and I start seeking. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Henry Blackaby and his great work experiencing God taught this great principle, find out where God is working and join Him. Prayer is me knowing God's will, knowing Him, it's being in relationship with Him, it's seeking Him, and when I seek Him, I will find Him, and I will also find His will. I'll also find the answers to my prayers. It's a relationship. I can't say that enough. I can't say that enough. The, the third thing he says here in this whole work of prayer is not only asking, not only seeking, but also as you're moving out, look for opportunities. So you're now praying about the bomber people. So you're now praying about that God would do a great work. Now again, I'm not saying you don't, don't pray that because God's going to call you to Africa. No, don't do that. I'm not saying that. God may make you the biggest advocate for the people the biggest advocate for be So now you're going to start looking for opportunities. Now you're going to start making yourself available. Maybe, not, maybe it's not Africa. God, just give me northwest Arkansas. God, alleviate the orphan needs that are throughout northwest Arkansas. Where is it that God is prompting you to be a part of His work? You ask it, you, you, you seek it, you, you knock it, you start knocking on doors and looking for those opportunities. Now let me warn you, because Paul talked about open doors and he talked about closed doors. Not every open door is God's will. I warn you that. Not every opportunity, not every offer, not every open door is God's will. Not every closed door is God's will either. Oh, well, God just shut the door. And, you know, we have that little phrase God shut the door, but He opened a window. You know, no, listen. Sometimes God wants us to push against that door. We need to pray for an open door. So be examining deeply in your heart that you're not creating answers that aren't really there. Ask, state your request in a self surrender manner. Seek where is God at work and adjust your life to His work. Because where you see Him at work, that's where you will see His will. All right? That's where He's wanting you to be a part of. Not start pushing on doors and be aware of the opportunities that are immediately around you. Let me tell you about a time in my life whenever, back in 1989, I can remember it very well. I can remember laying under the stars of northwest Arkansas. And I can remember praying 11, well many more years than that now, but I can remember praying, God, I want to be a pastor in Northwest Arkansas. I knew God had already called me to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor in Northwest Arkansas. Now listen to this. I started working networks. I started trying to push on doors. I started to do my best to get back here. God, God had to send me to Africa first. God wanted me to pastor two other churches first, but I wanted to be here. And I started praying in 1989. It would not be for eleven years. And that was even after we looked at starting Grace Point in Boston and looking at starting starting it in Seattle. It was eleven years before we ever made it back here. And it wasn't even that I, I hadn't even given up. I'd even lost that that, that hope, that the desire. Here's the thing about about requesting bring your requests, lay them at his feet, and then trust him as you move forward. I shared something with you six months ago. I want to share it with you now. God answers every prayer. If my request is wrong, God says no. If my timing is wrong, He says slow. If my character is wrong, He says grow. When my request, my timing and character are right, God says go. So God had to do a whole lot of work on me before He allowed me to come back here. That's the work of prayer. Let me talk about real quickly the weight of prayer. And when you look at this passage and you see, God does answer. He, when, when, when a child wants a, a, a loaf of bread, he doesn't give him a stone. And whenever a child wants a fish, he doesn't give him a serpent. God knows what's best for you and me. That's the beauty of prayer. Is God, here's my request, here's what I would want, but I'm surrendering it all to you. Because I know what you're going to give me is the very best. The very best so god i 'm going to wait in response i 'm going to wait for you in this i, I don 't have to have it all figured out. Let me just give you one statement about about just God and his his response. God responds to our prayer. God responds to our prayer, and I mean that I mean that he, when we cry out to him, he responds in Jeremiah chapter thirty three verse three it says, "Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that that you don 't know Jeremiah Thirty-three, three. Call unto Him. What's He want to show you? What's He want to reveal to you? About you or about Him? God responds to our prayers like a father. If you read that passage that we just read, again, a father is not going to give you a stone when you want bread and a serpent whenever you want, it, when you want fish. He's going to meet your needs. What are your needs? Bring them to Him. And God responds to our prayers like a father to a son. He wants to respond to you and meet your need. Now, here's what I want us to do as we practice prayer. And I asked you this last week. I, I challenged you to do this last week. I challenged you to do it with greater clarity this week. You know right now we're going through this envision emphasis. You see everything around us transforming before our eyes. We even got a couple of tables in the back that you can pick up a prayer guide for. But here's what I want you to pray this week. And this is just a sample. Lord, I will be obedient to the next thing you tell me about the envision of my church. I'm not asking you to give a dime if God doesn't ask you to give a dime. I'm not asking you to be a part of the, the future of our church if God doesn't ask you to be a part of the future of the church. But let me tell you what I am asking you to do. I'm asking you to be obedient to whatever he tells you to do. And you will never, ever, ever be disappointed. I want to close with one little poem. It's been accredited to a Civil War veteran who suffered serious injuries on the battlefield. He said, I asked for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty. That might, uh, that, that might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the, the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I want you to read this last statement with me out loud I have received nothing that I ask for, but all that I hope for. I'm thankful that we have a Heavenly Father who we can address Him as our Father and He will meet our needs and we can bring our prayer requests to Him. And He may not answer it on our time, but it will be on His time. But are we willing to go with Him? Eleven years ago, or eleven, uh, 1989, whenever I started praying the, the prayer, God sent me back to Northwest Arkansas and God didn't answer that for 11 years. I look now at where I am and where I was in 2001 and where I was at that time. And let me just say this. I guarantee you, God had to do so much whittling on my life, so much sanding of the rough edges of my life. Had I come back here on my own pushing and pulling and forcing, in 1989, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have wanted me as your pastor. I was an arrogant, cocky fool. God had to knock a lot of edges off of me. And he's not done knocking either. He had to sand me down some. I thank God he didn't answer my prayer then. But I thank God that I'm here now. What is God wanting to do in your life but you're pushing back on? What are you wanting God to do in your life that you're pushing forward on? Ask, seek, knock. Knock. And I think that last part simply said, trust. Your Father will take care of you. He will meet your needs. Would you bow your heads with me? If you don't know Christ today, that would be the greatest tragedy of all. To be in this room, to hear this message, to talk about prayer, and talk about God being our Father, and you not knowing God, what a tragedy. Right now, as we pray, as I pray, If I were you, I would say my prayer to God. God, I want to follow you. I want to be able to pray and know you will hear me. I want to go through life and experience life, whatever it may bring, and know you're with me. Father God, you hear and you know the hearts of everyone in this room. And I pray that, God, prayer is not something that we are forcing our will onto You. but We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking, and we're believing that You are the Heavenly Father who will give to us every good gift that we need at the hour and the time that we need it. If it's 11, if it's 12, if it's 20 years from now, Lord, help us to keep asking, seeking, and knocking. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?